welcome to the Skin Series. I'm Danika. And I'm Haley, And we're here to chat all things skin. As clinical naturopaths and corneotherapists, we want to share our knowledge and passion for helping people heal their skin conditions in a holistic way. Join us for a deep dive into debunking beauty myths, how your gut, hormones, diet and lifestyle factors influence your skin and our unique philosophy on how to care for your skin topically. As always, this advice is general and not designed to diagnose or treat any conditions. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before beginning any treatments. Okay, let's get started. Welcome to episode seven, acne part three. Today, I'll be interviewing Danika about hormonal drivers of acne. So we're going to be talking about cortisol, insulin, and sex hormones, and how they influence and contribute to acne. So it's a super juicy topic, and I know it's one that a lot of you guys are interested in, and a lot of you guys have had personal experience with hormonal acne before as well. We will also be answering some of your questions about how to manage hormonal breakouts, balancing hormones post pill and some key products for topical acne that we love to use in clinic. Mm -hmm. But first, how are you, Danika? And do you have any recommendations for the week for us? I'm really good. I'm really excited to be getting back to clinic soon so we can start to get our hands back on people and facials and skin needling and all the fun stuff so that's really exciting be a big five months five months I think it'll be off now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we've yeah. had a good break <laughs> we're well rested very and well rested we're yeah. ready to get back to see all our amazing clients and yeah. just have have a great 2022 oh yes you better be good <laughs> <laughs> okay so recommendations I was thinking about something that yeah I do all uh, I use all the time which is cacao that I have every single morning and I just wanted to share my recipe for cacao if you guys because cacao can have a bit of a a bit of like a bit of taste so Mm. sometimes people try it thinking it's going to taste like a hot chocolate or something and then be like oh this is too bitter and get super turned off from it so cacao is amazing for you it's full of antioxidants super high in magnesium and it's got just a slight stimulating effect that it can be a bit of an alternative for coffee but it doesn't have like the the really rapid stimulating effect like coffee you don't get any kind of like heart palpitations or jitters or anything like that it's kind of like a slow release so I use it as an alternative for coffee in the morning and the cacao so how I make my cacao is with like organic pure cacao powder so make sure that you don't get any pre-made formulas that have like a bunch of sugar in it so pure cacao with some oat milk um, or any other plant-based milk that you like some honey or some monk fruit and then I put cinnamon in it and I put a little bit of coconut oil and then the secret ingredient is some cayenne pepper. Ooh. Yeah. Spicy. And um, it like activates the cacao and mm. it just creates this beautiful like warming like digestive juices flowing drink wow. for the morning and it's amazing. So what about you, Hales? So my recommendation for the week, well, I guess it's more, it is a recommendation, but more of an experience um, that I've had this week. So uh, we have uh, an incredible kinesiologist called Alexis that works in the clinic with us. So she's in on Mondays. Um, You know, due to lockdown, she's been doing distance healing sessions. So we usually do kinesiology together, but um, on Thursday, she said that I 
needed some energy healing. So we did distance energy healing, which was really amazing and hung up the phone together and she kind of did her work for the following hour and definitely felt a lot of kind of release and things happening on the left-hand side of my body. And when we spoke about that, she said she was working, you know, that's left-hand side is your feminine energy. So she was working on that a lot and did some release work and worked on my kidneys and things like that. So I was feeling a little bit down, a little bit flat that day and then woke up the next day and yeah, felt amazing. Um, actually had like a kind of release that night. It was probably two hours after the session. I felt a lot of movement in my kidneys, a little bit of pain. Um, and then yeah, woke up the next day feeling, feeling really good. So that was definitely, yeah, a really amazing experience. And the fact that she can do that without even being in the room, I thought was, um, was really cool as well. Mm, that is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I think I've booked in for a session with her soon. So yeah. I'm She's awesome. She's awesome. And we, you know, we have her in the clinic because she works on that energetic, uh, emotional body and you know she's a big believer in you know traumas get trapped in our body and can present as physical manifestations and also as personality manifestations as mm. well so mm. um yeah she does a lot of amazing work with that yeah and we're going to be talking about cortisol today which is a stress hormone so combining something like kinergetics with when you're working on acne can be amazing if stress can be is if stress is your main driver for acne because that can help with that yeah definitely yeah. and just identifying those emotional links with skin conditions too which I find really fascinating and it's a lot that we tap into um in our clinic too mm -hmm. so yeah so let's get into our episode today all things hormones mm -hmm. so can you start off telling us what hormones are normally involved in driving acne so the hormones that I mainly see um, imbalanced in my acne clients are cortisol, insulin, and testosterone. So we'll go through all of these. I'll start off with cortisol. So cortisol is our stress hormone. So in the past, this was released when we were facing danger. So we're running away from a tiger. We had to be in a fight, those kind of things. So it gives us energy and it saves lives. So when you have to escape and think fast... But in our current life, it gets pumped out way too often that levels don't get a chance to lower and they are continuously high. So this is where it can cause some issues with acne. These days, cortisol is getting released when we are busy. We're running around. We're doing high intensity exercise. We are intermittent fasting. We're having an argument with someone. We're in a traffic jam. We're having anxious thoughts, even watching a scary TV show. Um, so for many people... Yeah, cortisol is high all day, every day. And over time, this can suppress the immune system and increase oil production on the skin and also increase systemic inflammation. So that's not helpful for acne as well. So the way that cortisol works is it pulls sugar out of the muscles and into the bloodstream to give us energy. So when we need to fight or run away. But the stress that we're, that we're seeing at the moment, like that we're, you know, we're in traffic jams or email, getting too many emails, we're not doing activities that are burning up this sugar. So it's staying high circulating in our bloodstream. So this continual uh, hypoglycemia, so that's high blood sugar levels, can make your cells become resistant to insulin. So insulin is the hormone responsible for pulling sugar back out of the blood and into muscles. So when this happens... Another hormone called insulin-like growth factor one is released to try and get that sugar out of the blood. 
And these high levels of IGF-1, so insulin-like growth factor 1, actually stimulate an enzyme called 5-alpha reductase, which turns testosterone, which is one of our sex hormones, into a more potent form of, it's called DHT, so dihydrotestosterone. So this actually changes, so DHT actually changes the structure of the sebaceous gland um, and the pore on the skin. So this can change the amount of oil and the size of the actual pore opening. So this can allow for more space for bacteria to grow and for acne to be able to be formed on the skin. So that's kind of a brief summary of how cortisol, insulin and testosterone kind of are all interlinked and can affect each other. Mm, yeah, I love that breakdown. That's that's really interesting. And I think I think hyperglycemia and high blood sugar levels is responsible for so many diseases today. So you know, they're, and they're linking that. You know, even I was reading an article about dementia mm, as yeah. called type three diabetes. So um, they're linking so many different diseases to that high blood sugar level. Um, and even you know, waking up in the morning and getting straight on your phone, and then getting bombarded with emails and phone calls, and then TV time at night. We're really yeah. not. We've got that constant high cortisol going exactly. on. Yeah. 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 Okay. So is it just stress that makes our cells resistant to insulin? No. So like you were saying, there's a lot of a lot of things that can contribute to this insulin resistance. So apart from yeah, high stress, the most common things I see with clients is which a lot of people are probably doing, is drinking coffee on an empty stomach. Mm. This actually reduces your insulin sensitivity by about fifty percent. Wow. Um for the next few hours afterwards. So your cortisol is already highest in the morning. And then adding in a stimulant will drive this cortisol even higher up. And then it will obviously drastically affect the way that your cells respond to insulin. So another thing which is very common is lack of sleep. So ideally getting seven to nine hours of uninterrupted sleep every night is really, really important. So less than that, even for one day, will drive cortisol up, which will have an effect on your insulin. Another big thing that we'll probably go into deeper in the next episode is diet. So having a diet that's high GI, so GI stands for glycemic index, uh, will reduce your insulin sensitivity. So the glycemic index is an indicator of the ability food has to raise blood sugar levels. So things like white bread, pasta, chocolate, uh, white potatoes, crackers, corn chips, those kind of things will increase your blood sugar levels quite quickly. So having these regularly can then lead to your body becoming insulin resistant as well, which can then lead to high levels of DHT on your skin and acne. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, you know, again, why we work on diet. 100%. When we're seeing that, clients it's a foundation. as well. Yeah. yeah. And sleep. Sleep's a massive thing. Yeah. That we always try and get our clients, you know, getting a decent amount of quality, good quality sleep. Sleep, stress and diet, really. Yeah. I feel like they're the foundations. Before we even start to throw in, you know, herbs and supplements and everything, though getting those foundations right can have a snowball effect on so many different things. For sure, for yeah. sure. Are there signs and symptoms of insulin resistance that people should look out for? Yeah, for sure. So the symptoms of high cortisol and insulin resistance are actually pretty similar. So that's fatigue, brain fog, feeling really thirsty, uh, urinating often. Um, you can develop extra weight around your tummy, uh, irregular periods, or you could actually lose your period completely. Dizziness, feeling sleepy after meals. Getting that afternoon slump around, energy slump around like three or four o'clock and having having that sugar craving. 
Um, and also getting a darkening of the skin around the armpits, neck and groin can also occur if you've been, this is if you've been insulin resistant for a, a while. Yeah. And even when I'm looking at the skin topically, if I'm seeing skin tags, mm-hmm. you know, that can be a sign of hyperglycemia and, and more common in, you know, my diabetes clients as well. Yeah. And also um, I find getting hot at night as well and feeling like you're overheating is a sign of both cort- high cortisol and insulin resistance. Yeah. And if you feel like it you could f- be menopause, but could be that as well. But <laughs> if, it's, on if you rule out the menopause <laughs> and also if you're feeling like you're going to sleep easily, but then you're like waking up and feeling like wide awake and then if you have trouble going back to sleep that is a really big sign of some blood sugar regulate dysregulation as well for sure yeah sure so does insulin resistance cause any other health issues yeah so like we were speaking about yeah so apart from acne um, untreated insulin resistance will lead to type 2 diabetes so if you're having the above symptoms that yeah i just spoke about um i would firstly really focus on altering your stress levels so um yeah, stress levels, diet, caffeine intake, and your sleep. And then if you're still experiencing acne and the other symptoms, then see a practitioner to get your fasting insulin and your liver enzymes checked as, yeah, there could definitely be some things that you can start taking to improve your insulin sensitivity, like um, inositol and chromium are really amazing. But it's always good to just get some things checked out before you start to take any supplements yep. by yourself. Yeah. Even something like cinnamon is yeah, a nice beautiful. little, um, yeah. you know, food is medicine that helps to regulate blood sugar levels. Yeah. And, you know, we're big proponents of if you're a female, please eat breakfast mm-hmm. or have something before you have your morning coffee for so many different reasons. But yeah, that will again be helping to regulate those blood sugar levels throughout yeah. the day. And um, just a little tip, you can add cinnamon to your coffee yeah. and that will actually help to reduce that effect on insulin. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Love that. Um, okay, and what can people do to reduce cortisol? Yeah, so unfortunately there is no magic pill to reduce cortisol levels. I feel like we would change the world if we <laughs> found that <laughs> magic pill. Um, so this can sometimes be quite frustrating for clients as if we're working on cortisol, it's really something that you need to take full responsibility full responsibility for uh, in regards to altering your lifestyle. So meditation has been clinically proven to reduce levels of cortisol in the bloodstream, uh, but only when it's practiced regularly. So they've actually tested that it does need to be over a course of at least 10 days for there to be that re- reduction in cortisol. So it's not just something that you can kind of do every now and then and feel like you're going to get effects from it. So people will be like, oh, I tried meditation once and it didn't didn't make a difference. Yeah. It's like something that you it's need like to... like going to the gym once. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, the first thing, the first thing I prescribe to my clients when we're working on cortisol is a daily meditation practice. So that this can just be five to 10 minutes and no matter how busy you are, everyone has five to 10 minutes. So ideally when it's good to start off with, um, when you first wake up, I feel like that's just a really beautiful day to set up the, set up the day. Um, so another super easy thing that I get my clients to do is to breathe. (laughs) It sounds too simple to be effective, but it really we we go through the day and if you if you notice a lot of the time you'll realize that you're breathing quite shallow mm-hmm. and up in the top of your chest. And then if you take the time just to to close you don't even have to close your eyes, but just to breathe and have your belly inflate, you'll feel this like I automatically feel a sense of calm. I don't know if you do as well when yeah, you do sure. it. It's that kind of that 
that deep breath. So I get them to put an alarm on their phone or put a little sticky note onto their computer or wherever they see regularly that just says breathe. And whenever they see that, to breathe in for four breaths, hold for four breaths down in your belly and then release. And what this does is it pulls the... It changes the nervous system out of sympathetic nervous system dominance, which is your fight or flight state, into parasympathetic dominance, which is your rest and digest, and this lowers cortisol. So that is actually a really, really simple, free, and effective thing that people can do. So I like to also um, just tell people to create a calm morning because... It's the one thing we can kind of control because once you go out in the world, you're with all these people's different people's energy, you know, you're at work, you're in traffic, you're having conversations that you can't control. So the thing that you can control is that morning routine. So the first thing, like you spoke about before, how's no phone in the morning. I think that's a number one thing that people roll over, check their phone and all of a sudden they're checking their emails, they're getting text messages, they're scrolling through Instagram and getting bombarded with all of this stimulus. I think that's an all too common thing that we see these days. And that all of a sudden is driving up your cortisol. So starting the day without your phone, doing something nice for yourself. So do some stretches or yoga, listen to some music, have a cup of herbal tea outside in the sunshine, read a book, something that's relaxing that sets your your day up in a calm way. So I like to use the analogy of a, of a bucket. So every time we interact with something stressful, um, some water gets poured into that bucket and all day this bucket is filling up. And when this starts to overflow, this is when we can start to see anxiety and insomnia and panic attacks and acne and all those things that are driven by high cortisol. So having a calm morning and really focusing on being mindful is like tipping out that bucket and then you can start the day with an empty bucket so then all these stresses that you interact with they you can handle them and you're not overflowing hmm. so like yeah analogy yeah we love analogy that's beautiful <laughs> yeah and sometimes we don't give ourselves permission in the morning just to take five ten minutes to go do something nice for ourselves yeah and yeah maybe it's waking up a bit earlier in your day, you yeah. know, just to have that extra 10, 15 minutes to yourself before the day begins. So. Yeah. So is this why people tend to see breakouts during a stressful period? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is why it's common to see breakouts like at the worst time. So before a date or on your wedding day or, you know, during a stressful period, like a breakup or anything like that. I feel like um, I see a lot of clients that their acne has been triggered by, you know, their last year in uni or a massive breakup or some kind of life event that was really, really stressful. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah, can have a major effect. Yeah. Okay, so let's now talk about sex hormones. So post-pill acne and premenstrual breakouts are really common. Can you explain to our listeners why? Yeah, so when you get onto the oral contraceptive pill... The connection between your brain and your ovaries gets shut off. So you stop producing your natural sex hormones. So then when you come off the pill, this connection has to re-establish. And for some people, this connection could have been shut off for 5, 10 years. So the body has to relearn how to produce its natural hormones and in what levels. So it hasn't been doing this for years. So you can understand why it can take a little while for this to balance out. So for the first few months, 
off the pill, um, like the natural hormone levels are quite low until that connection establishes. So it's common to see people will be like, oh, I came off the pill and my skin was fine. And then all of a sudden it's between like the three and six month mark when that connection gets reestablished. And all of a sudden you get this surge in hormones that you can find, yeah, the three, three to six months is where the post-pill acne can start. So the main hormone that really kind of triggers this um, surge in acne is testosterone, which is the male sex hormone, which we have, but it's meant to be in relatively, you know, um, small managed amounts, but post-pill, it really, really increases. So with testosterone-driven acne, you'll usually see this around the chin and the jawline, and it can also be on the back as well. So testosterone increases oil production on the skin, and yeah, it also changes the structure of the pore, which can make it larger and a more habitable place for bacteria to grow and spread on the skin. So testosterone-driven acne can be seen throughout the whole menstrual cycle, potentially. So if you feel like your acne doesn't get a break, you're, you're experiencing breakouts every single day, potentially testosterone could be the driver. But it can also occur uh, worse the week before your period and a few days of your period. As this is like this is when testosterone is higher than estrogen and progesterone because they drop off lower. So if you get those premenstrual breakouts, if that's mainly your main concern, possibly testosterone is something to look out for. Are there any other symptoms of high testosterone to look out for other than acne? Yeah, so some common symptoms are hair growth um, on your chin and your upper lip, hair loss on your head, so especially around the temple area. Uh, you can have irregular periods, you could have no periods, you could have really oily skin um, and changes in your body shape as well. So we'll be diving into this a lot more when we do our guest episode with our gorge naturopath friend, Soph. So she's a hormonal naturopath and works with a lot of women with PCOS, which is a testosterone driven condition. So that will be really interesting and she will go through really deep into kind of testosterone so what can people do to reduce testosterone and prevent post-pill acne? Yeah, so preventing post-pill acne, ideally we want to start prepping the body for about three months before coming off the pill. Rather than just going cold turkey, we want to make sure that we're supplementing the body with all of the essential nutrients that get depleted through the pill. So especially zinc, magnesium, B6, vitamin C, that's really essential. Um, and we can also supplement with some herbs and nutrients that... Uh, help to regulate 5-alpha reductase, which is the um, enzyme that transforms testosterone into DHT. So we can actually start doing this work before you come off so that your body is in the state to be able to, to, to do that action itself. So another thing that's really important to reduce testosterone is stress management. Um, so the enzyme that detoxifies cortisol is actually the same one that detoxifies testosterone. So it's called 11-hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase. And these, yeah, so this pathway is the same. So think of like if two, two cars are trying to drive down the one street, they're not going to both get through and they're going to get stuck and it's not going to flow, flow properly. So because they compete for um, detoxification, if they're both high, yeah, they won't get detoxified quick enough. And the higher amounts of both of these will lead to more oil on the skin and more acne. So if you're coming off the pill or you're experiencing testosterone-driven acne at the moment, then managing stress is super important. And you'd want to be focusing on detoxif detoxification pathways 
and making sure that you're having a bowel movement every day is really important to make sure that these hormones get detoxified and not recirculated into the system. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So out of the sex hormones, is it just testosterone that is driving acne? I find it's most commonly um, testosterone is the main culprit, but imbalanced estrogen and progesterone can also drive acne as well. So these hormones are in a balancing act with each other. So if one is excessively high, it will drive the other one down. And if one's exceptionally low, it will drive the other one up. So usually in this instance, we generally see estrogen is being too high and progesterone is usually too low. So progesterone helps to regulate testosterone levels and 5-alpha reductase. It also helps to regulate blood sugar levels. So we really don't want it to be too low as, yeah, we've talked about how important those things are. So what are the symptoms of low progesterone? So some symptoms of um, low progesterone are anxiety, irregular periods, spotting before your period, headaches, bloating, insomnia, and low libido are the main ones. So progesterone gets created when we ovulate mid-cycle. So if you have low progesterone, you actually may not be ovulating. And if you're taking the oral contraceptive pill, then you don't produce progesterone at all because obviously ovulation doesn't occur. So we really want progesterone as not only does it help to prevent acne in the way that it helps to regulate testosterone, it's actually our feel-good hormone and it has a calming anti-anxiety effect on the brain. So that's why anxiety is a common symptom on the OCP as well. Mm, yeah. yeah, and I'm sure, again, a lot of people have experienced that anxiety yeah, yeah. OCP-induced anxiety. Definitely. So that's the reason why, guys, we love progesterone, feel good, yeah. like nurturing hormone. Yeah, definitely. So if we have low progesterone, how can we raise it? So if you're not on the pill, then the way we want to raise progesterone is we want to encourage ovulation. So... Obviously, ovulation is required for making a baby. So your body is actually really smart that if it feels like there is too much stress in your life and it's not a safe environment to support a baby, then it will actually shut off ovulation to prevent you from getting pregnant. And in turn, this will lower your progesterone levels. So to encourage ovulation and to create progesterone, we need to make the brain feel safe. Um, that it's safe to ovulate and safe to bring a baby into the world. So focusing on stress management is the number one thing for progesterone. And when I talk about stress, I don't just mean like stress from work or arguing with your boyfriend or something. I mean anything that triggers a stress response in the body. So that includes caffeine intake, not eating enough food, over-exercising, not sleeping seven to nine hours, you know, consuming excess sugar and alcohol, all of these, all of these things. So there's also nutrients that are really important in progesterone production, like zinc, B6, magnesium, and vitamin C. So they get depleted really, really easily when you are stressed, and they also get depleted when you're on the pill. So if you've been on the pill and you're coming off, those are essential nutrients to supplement to help to encourage that ovulation post-pill. Yeah, and it's so interesting, you know, when you're under an immense amount of stress, your body shuts down that ovulation process so that you don't um, fertilize an egg and, and become pregnant because you won't produce a healthy fetus as well. So mm. super, super clever process. And that's why a lot of people, not a lot of people, but women do experience uh, their period disappears when they're under a lot of stress. And that can happen for years on end. If you're under immense stress and your period disappears, this is why. Yep, yeah, for sure, for sure. And what about estrogen with acne? 
Yeah, so estrogen itself doesn't trigger acne. It's more about the trickle-on effect that high estrogen has on the body. So estrogen, when it's in balance, is amazing for your skin. It's plumping, it's firming, it's moisturizing. That's why we can see in menopause when estrogen levels naturally decline, we can get those dry skin issues and lack of collagen. Um, so the issues are when we don't have enough of estrogen, this can then cause higher testosterone levels or we can see issues when we have too much estrogen. So excess estrogen puts pressure on our liver, which can mean that other hormones like cortisol, insulin, and testosterone don't get detoxified as efficiently and can get recirculated into the system. So excess estrogen is usually caused from an overexposure to xenoestrogens in the environment. So these are things like BPA, plastics, parabens in skincare, unfiltered tap water, cleaning products, hair dyes, sunscreens, air fresheners, laundry powders, like the list could go on. So it's really important to make a conscious choice when you're purchasing these items to make sure they're nice and clean and that will help to lessen your estrogen load. Yeah, and that's a lot of you know what we cover when we're doing our initial skin consults, getting people off toxic skincare, skincare and, and body care and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What are some symptoms of estrogen excess? So mainly we'll see heavy periods and bad PMS symptoms. So sore boobs, sugar cravings, headaches, bloating, feeling like you're swollen, even swollen legs and ankles, irritability, sadness, feeling like you can just burst out crying at any moment. That's a really high estrogen sign and a lower sex drive as well. And that's why we always ask questions around, you know, that your PMS symptoms, mm -hmm. because it gives us little clues as to what's going on with your hormones internally. So how can we regulate these estrogen levels? So supporting liver detoxification and bowel elimination is number one as we excrete excess estrogen out through our bowel movements. So making sure that you're having at least a daily bowel movement is super important. That's well formed. It's not loose. It's not too hard to pass. Gut health is also really important as well. If you have an imbalanced gut microbiome, you may have higher levels of an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, which is released from unfriendly gut bacteria. And this actually recycles estrogen back into the system from phase two liver detox. So this alone can actually cause um, estrogen dominance. So yeah, working with a naturopath and taking some liver supporting herbs like um, St. Mary's thistle, dandelion root, and nutrients like calcium deglucurate and some appropriate probiotics if gut health is an issue. So this can all be really helpful for reducing estrogen. Yeah, and we always make sure our client's gut is functioning correctly. 100%, yeah. When we're working on hormones, the two are so um, interlinked and both have to be functioning efficiently to yeah have healthy hormone clearance yeah for sure wow that was so much information that was so amazing i hope you guys learned a little bit about more about hormones today and it's really interesting to see also the impact that stress has on so many things mm. and that's why you know stress management techniques are always high priority Definitely. and something that we really kind of reinforce with with the people that we treat yeah i feel like if you're going to take anything away from this episode it is stress management so regardless of what as we've seen regardless of kind of what hormones are out of balance stress can play a role in 
in disrupting all of those. So it's something free. It's easy. You don't need to go and see anyone for it specifically. You can literally start to introduce stress management techniques today. So that would be, yeah, if you take one thing away, yeah. that's the thing to take away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've had clients in the past where they are doing all the right things internally. They've done mm-hmm. all the testing. They're mm-hmm. on the good skincare, you know, but their stress is so high that, you know, it's, it's not budging. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's lighting, I always say stress lights the match to your gut and your hormones issues. Yeah. So I really need to put out the little fire starter. De- uh, what's it called? Someone that goes around lighting fires? A person that goes around lighting yeah. fires? And they light them illegally. Oh, a pile of pyromaniac? Pyromaniac? Pyromaniac. Pyromaniac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess, yeah, with stress management, like we can do things, uh, like we can use herbs and nutrients to help manipulate hormones, but at the end of the day, the stress management comes down to the person themselves. Yeah. Definitely. And, and for some people, that's a barrier, like mm. working on their stress response because they've been living in fight or flight for so long that the thought of trying to come out of that state can be quite daunting and confronting and that's some, some something where we would refer on to a psychologist or a counsellor or kinesiology, um, kinesiology is amazing um, yeah. for that as well so having your little team of health practitioners around you is also really important too definitely so I think we'll jump into some FAQs now that we got sent in some amazing questions which is fun let's do it (laughs) all right so let's get started so emma's asked us how can you balance your hormones without the pill and first and foremost remember the pill does not balance your hormones it flatlines your hormonal production of your sex hormones so when you come off the pill it can be a really wild ride coming off the pill especially if you've been on it for longer than a couple of years and it's really important to be supported internally just to minimize post that post pill androgen surge and that post pill acne so as naturopaths we use nutrients again especially ones that have been depleted on the pill so b vitamins zinc iron selenium magnesium as well as dietary changes to really support that hormone balancing and liver support and gut support as well we usually like to see what the body does you know at least three months after coming off the pill before we intervene with some herbs that can help to stimulate that natural cycle and to keep it nice and regular and as Danika said we really want to support that brain to ovary connection that's being cut off while you were on the pill yeah so there's some things that we can do coming off the pill and if you've never been on the pill and your hormones are imbalanced or you're having a regular period so what we've spoken about through this episode is really important to stress management sleep and diet are foundations if you're doing all of those things right and you feel your hormones are still imbalanced then it would be important to see a practitioner to get some blood testing done to see exactly what hormones are out of balance because we can see a lot of things can be going on and one treatment for reducing testosterone is completely different to raising progesterone so you kind of if you're looking for you know a supplement that says hormonal balancing what is it what is it balancing you know what I mean like that's why I get a bit confused sometimes where people are taking a hormonal balance well what hormones are you balancing yeah yeah exactly exactly doing testing and this is why it's good to see a professional because um you can go and do general pathology testing you can do hormone 
functional testing as well to really see what's going on with your hormones specifically and also how you're metabolizing and detoxifying those hormones too because everyone's unique so everyone Mm -hmm. will be doing things slightly different yeah for sure so our next question is from megan and she said what are your thoughts on spironolactone so spironolactone is a prescription medication that helps to reduce androgens. So testosterone is an androgen. It's also used as a blood pressure um, medication as well. So it's something called a potassium sparing diuretic. And what this means is it will make you lose water through increasing your urine output. So when people take it, they'll say that they're going to the toilet a lot. So this can actually lead to dehydration and nutrient loss, which in the end is not helpful for acne and skin health so yeah it might reduce your androgens but then you're also dehydrated and then we can start to get other issues through nutrient depletion so there can also be side effects as well the main ones being dizziness and fatigue so in my opinion there are much safer ways to lower androgens so um, anti-androgenic herbs like peony licorice and spearmint are really helpful and obviously, like we've spoken about, stress management is really, really important to help enable that enzyme breakdown of testosterone and detoxification. And obviously, like I wouldn't um, be taking this unless you've obviously had hormones checked as well. So M has asked us, what are the steps for curing small hormonal breakouts? I feel like that's a big question. It's a big question yeah. and it's also, you know, have to define small hormonal breakouts. Are they cystic painful breakouts um, are they more superficial where are they presenting on the face to make it hormonal and you know what times of the month are you also breaking out so you know if you're experiencing one to two small breakouts you know around the time leading up to your period or on your period this is totally normal it's more so if they're painful larger cystic ones that's a sign that there's a hormonal um, imbalance so definitely seeing a naturopath to get answers is the way to go as we've kind of spoken in the previous two questions Mm -hmm. you know and also keeping a diary or keeping track cycle tracking and just jotting down some symptoms leading up to your period so then when you do go to see a naturopath you're really in tune with what's going on at different times of the month yeah definitely you can be affected with your naturopath yeah i think that's a really good tip to keep you know some really good apps at the moment i think flows a really popular one and you can actually list in there a whole bunch of symptoms too so not just acne but bloating or constipation and things like that if you have yeah if you have a big list of everything that's happening we can actually start to pinpoint whether we're looking at testosterone estrogen or progesterone so yeah and i feel like as a female being in tune with your cycle is so empowering so rihanna said my breakouts are mainly hormonal are there things i should be doing leading up to my period foods to intake etc to help this side note i love this podcast Thanks, oh. <laughs> we love the feedback we love that you love it okay so breakouts that you see in the week leading up to your period and for the first few days are mainly due to testosterone as that's the dominant sex hormone during that time so there's a few things that you can do so as we've spoken about testosterone can increase oil production on your skin which can feed bacteria and help to spread those breakouts. So leading up to your period, it's a good time to do a clay mask and that can actually help to draw out excess oil. So that can be something helpful. Another thing is what we've banged on about this podcast is to keep your stress levels low. So 
in the lead up to your period, if you can kind of cut back on some high intensity exercise and opt more for gentle walks, maybe some Pilates or yin yoga, this will help to yeah, reduce the cortisol impact that can have on testosterone and not packing out your schedule. So it's super busy and prioritizing rest and really good sleep. So in regards to diet, zinc is really important at this time because it helps to regulate that 5-alpha reductase enzyme, which turns your testosterone into your more potent DHT. So think oysters, uh, pumpkin seeds, Brazil nuts, legumes. They're amazing to increase during that week. And also taking a zinc supplement can be really helpful as well. And yeah, you also want to be making sure that you're supporting your liver detox. So making sure you're eating not like lots of cruciferous vegetables, so broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts if you like them, and kale. This can help to clear out any excess testosterone and staying away from sugar and processed foods is helpful as well. Yeah, and I feel like in that luteal phase, that phase coming into your period, people typically go for, you know, processed carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Really good tip, sweet potato chips in the ovens. Mm -hmm. You know, a good healthy carb and it will kind of satisfy those cravings, but, you know, not reaching for necessarily, yeah, something more processed. Yeah. So Nicole, she wants to know what are our favorite Dermavigils products for hormonal acne? Mm-hmm. Um, and Dermavigils is the skincare range that we work with. So there's some awesome things in that range for treating acne. And we have a very, very, very high success rate in treating acne. Mm-hmm. So there's a therapeutic tonic in that range called Lotion P and it's really high in linoleic acid, which is usually deficient in acne prone skin. Something in there called fumaric acid, which helps that skin cell turnover and hyperkeratinization. And then B5, which is also great for reducing acne and excess sebum production. Mm-hmm. There is a moisturizer called Pluteoderm Plus, and it also comes in a serum version called Pluteoderm Fluid. So it has some really beautiful anti-inflammatory herbs and antimicrobial herbs in that. And then it also contains 0.3% of salicylic acid, which again helps to yeah, speed up that skin cell, cell turnover and decongest. And, and decongest. Yep. Yep, get into the follicle and unclog that sticky sebum. And then we can make customized serums in the range as well. So so there's a couple of things in the range in active form. So LCP, um, there's a B complex. So B vitamins are really great for um, reducing brachne, <laughs> acne. <laughs> Again, we've talked about zinc internally, but zinc topically, fantastic at reducing mm. that 5A's reductase. Five alpha reductase. And also improving wound healing yep. and the immune response in the skin too. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Love vitamin A as well. Um, can be great at minimizing pore, reducing oral production, um, and it's also a really powerful antioxidant. There's also something in the range called isoflavone, which is a active that helps to regulate the hormonal receptors in the skin. So it reduces testosterone in the skin, but increases that beautiful estrogen hormone. So plumping, hydrating, firming. And then we've also got green tea in the range too, which again helps to reduce uh, the 5A reductase enzyme. Mm -hmm. So Phoebe asked, I hear a lot about DIM for hormonal balance. What are your thoughts? So DIM, uh, is so DIM is methane. So this is a supplement that helps to inhibit aromatase, which means less testosterone is converted into estrogen. So it's useful if your acne is caused by excess estrogen, 
But if your acne is testosterone driven, which is more common um, that I see at the moment, uh, it can actually make your condition worse. So I wouldn't recommend to start taking this supplement without having your hormones tested first. Yeah, DIM is like helpful for hormonal imbalance for estrogen related conditions. So especially like endometriosis and heavy menstrual bleeding. But yeah, it's not the first one that I would think of for acne. Yeah, and we usually like to prescribe it alongside calcium D-glucuronidate because mm-hmm. it helps to clear that high estrogen. So definitely don't self-prescribe DIM. Maddie has asked, is mental health a big factor for acne? For sure. Yeah. I mean, it... Basically, it's been the whole, ep- the whole episode is yeah. stress. Yeah. yeah, and also... If you're suffering from acne, that can really influence your mental health Mm. or it might start off with issues with your mental health. You know, that can be a contributing cause of acne. So they definitely go hand in hand. Again, why we love working with skin. We know the mental toll that having issues with your skin can take on you. So we've chatted a lot about cortisol, our stress and anxiety hormone. So if you're stressed and anxious quite a lot, this excess hormone will again contribute to the excess oil on the skin, which can cause congestion, acne lesions, but that continual high cortisol will also start to suppress your immune system and increase inflammation as well, which can lead to angrier, more cystic breakouts. And again, why we always love supporting clients and you know, if they need to see a psychologist, if they need to see a counselor, if they need to see a kinesiologist while they're also working with us. And again, as naturopaths, you know, we obviously offer those um, stress management techniques as well. Mm. And we do a lot of work with self-love mm. and loving your skin too. So yeah, great question, Maddie. Yeah, and listening to some skin healing affirmations yep. and positive affirmations can be really helpful as well just to kind of change that mindset. All right, so last question is from Claire, and she says, what causes cystic neck and back acne? So usually when I see neck and back acne, I'm considering high testosterone as these places along with a jawline are where it normally shows up. I'm also thinking lymphatic flow for the neck Mm. as we have a lot of lymph nodes around there. So potentially your lymph flow is a bit sluggish and this can cause some congestion and then cause some breakouts. So using a gua sha or even just a self-massage, Hayley's doing it right now, (laughs) will help with some lymphatic drainage. So doing that, I'm also thinking muscle tension too. So in the neck and back is where we hold a lot of tension. And if we've got tight muscles, this can impact the lymphatic flow and just blood circulation. So If you feel like, yeah, you've got back and neck acne and you also hold a lot of tension in in those areas, getting some massage done to actually help to release that tension and move things along can actually be helpful too, which I've found in some of my clients. It's a bit of like a left field Mm. thing to think of, but yeah, it can actually help sometimes just to release that muscle tension. I love that. I love that. I love working with osteopaths as well. And back acne can be also from sweat as well. So if if it's coming up more like if you've started working out more or if it's in summer, just make sure that, you know, you're showering after workouts, that you're changing your bed sheets regularly, changing your pajamas regularly, all of that. Okay, cool. I think that just about wraps it up for today. If you've got anything else to add, Hales, or... No, ah, that's great. I think we've quite a lot of things and I feel like in future episodes we'll dive into, maybe we'll do a whole episode on 
just, you know, cortisol, a whole episode on just insulin resistance and maybe sex hormones again. So we'll kind of dive deeper into all of those. So if anything's like sparked your interest and you're like, oh, I've got a question about that, please send it through to us so then we can, um, yeah, create another episode diving into more questions. But in our next one, we're going to be chatting about gut health and acne, which is a huge topic. See you then. And remember, healthy skin is is always in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to our Facebook page, The Skin Series, or follow us on Instagram at theskinseries underscore pod to join the community or ask us any questions. We would love to hear from you. See you in the next episode.